Welcome to episode 382 of Troubadours and Rakan Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a grand conversation with artist, activist, and puppet maker John Bromberg. John and I discuss his experience as a pacifist in the U.S. Army, making mosaics with broken plates, some of which were thrown at him, about war and about his friend Peter Schumann, yurts, Shakespeare, and mud balls, among other things. A great conversation with a great man, John Bromberg. Thank you, Trudy. We also have an EWSA titled Puppets and a poem written and performed by John Giorno titled Everyone Gets Lighter. Another poem by yours truly titled Existence. All of this, of course, will be imbued, infused with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 382 of Troubadours and Tours. Thank you. 
puppets. Hiroshima, 75 years ago, made us historic in our approach as a species when we justified the killing of 200,000 people in several moments so that a war would end. Can any one of us today truly pretend that said act was not one of mass murder of civilians? The testimony of that day's events on the ground from a present-day octogenarian who was then a teenager was horrifying to hear. People walking as they melted with their eyeballs in their hands, she said. I am sorry to share this image with you. I am having a tough time shaking it out of my consciousness. Can you imagine the woman who told it a few days ago from her first-hand experience? Carrying it with her for 75 years. We have war machines worth trillions of dollars, ready right now to do far worse damage to humanity and to all life on Earth. War machines, war mentality. Who is in charge of all this? Where are we going when we have trouble accepting that truly all lives matter when we are offended with a statement like Black Lives Matter? My hippie artist, guru, pacifist, wild and cultured genius friend John has a puppet chapel where he creates stories and characters communicating our ways and their what for. I wonder if his explorations can help us open doors into greater human enlightenment with the strong power of real love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some. But for everyone, for everyone Lord, we don't need another mountain The mountains and hillsides enough to climb There are oceans and rivers Enough to cross Till the end of time What the world needs now Is love, sweet, sweet love it's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone, for everyone. Lord, we don't need another middle. Confess and wheat fields enough to grow There are sunbeams and moonbeams Enough to shine Oh, listen, Lord, if you want to know What the world needs now 
John Bromberg, is that you? That's me. Yeah. Hey. And who is this? This is your old friend D.W. Conundrum Demure from Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Okay. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, boy. What a treat. Oh, for me, too. It's We talked about a year ago, and uh, it was wonderful, a wonderful conversation for me, and a lot of our listeners really enjoyed it as well, so... We have to have you back regularly for certain, and I'm I'm glad you you found some time to talk with us. Oh well, thank you for sharing your time with me. Oh, a pleasure, a pleasure. And for those who didn't hear the first conversation, let me just give a little background. Uh, John Bromberg, among many things, is an artist, an activist, a puppet maker. Uh, he is the artistic director of an ensemble of musicians, dancers, and puppeteers known as Pictures Moved by Strings. A graduate of Pratt, he's been recognized uh, through his work by the National Endowment of the Arts, the Rockefeller Foundation, as well as the Andy Warhol Foundation, among others. And uh, he's one of the founders of the Mudball Festival. And so many. Their list goes on. A great artist, a great human being, and it's great to have you on the program. And I know you want to talk today about something in particular, given the date that we're talking. We're talking on uh, August 6th, 2020, and our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, said you wanted to talk about something in particular, given the date. Do you want to recognize what the date is? Uh, sure, yeah. Um, today, uh, 75 years ago, uh, at 8.15 in the morning, um, there was an atomic bomb dropped on Hiroshima. And um, uh, I've been up here uh, 48 years, and every year we have uh, commemorated in some way or another, either parade or... or um, you know, a, a pageant or a, or a more intimate show. Uh, yeah, our, our, um, for me, uh, our uh, best experience of doing that was uh, our Bigfoot ballet. We did a Bigfoot ballet in Scranton uh, to commemorate the uh, the day and. Um, I was kind of forlorn because, uh, you know, you can't do parades or can't do, uh, uh, especially intimate performances. And, and, uh, uh, but then I got a call from your, uh, second in command and, and he, uh, asked me what day, uh, you know, I, and I was, I was elated that I could, uh, at least, uh, you know, our, our thing was always uh, bringing attention to the public uh, for of this event, you know, because uh, uh, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, you get caught up, so caught up in the moment that you forget about history. And um, 
so thank you so much. I mean, uh, what 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 an, and you and you left uh, you left it up to me at the last moment. I think you had a date uh, in your head, but uh, 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 I didn't listen to it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, this is a good idea. You know, so of course I want to support it, and um, I mean Hiroshima. As I don't know, I mean, you would think everybody would know the particulars, but uh, I mean, two hundred thousand people were killed, right? Out of three hundred thousand that lived there, <clears throat> civilians mainly. Um, you know, I, just today to refresh my memory, I read uh, an article, and and there was an account. Uh, by someone who who was there, she was thirteen, and she's you know in her late eighties now. Um, and and which I think I heard her today on Amy Goodman. Yeah, maybe you heard that too. I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. She was she was incredible. Yeah, and and to bring it bring it to us so vividly. I mean, uh, uh, I mean. Uh, you know, there's there's uh, other thing, bad things that happen uh, because of war, which is a completely stupid enterprise. I mean, uh, there must be better ways to solve things than killing each other. I mean, uh, uh, violence never um, uh, solved anything. So um, uh, I, I'm a pacifist, uh, although I was in the military. I was drafted and... and um, uh, I, I, uh, I did a very, uh, I, uh, poor service because, uh, I just didn't understand what they were, uh, uh, trying to me to learn, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I'm an artist, so I'm kind of free falling through life and, and, uh, you know, they're teaching me, uh, regimentation and, and, uh, uh, they actually issued me uh, an M16, although in all my applications I stated that I was a pacifist. So I had to think of something to do to, uh, si since I was involved in theater at the time, I, I, I thought, you know, there must be an opportunity to do something because they're just not getting it. <laughs> so um, I prayed, I prayed about it and prayed over and over and nothing was coming and then... Uh, we were to uh, march out uh, for a bivouac. They called it a big bivouac. It was like a camping trip, and and uh, um, so we were out there uh, marching, and uh, it was like twenty-five mile march, you know. So there were no wimps among us, and uh, uh, you know. Then we camped, and and uh, so uh, when we got to the rifle range, uh, there was this. Uh, a uh, little Puerto Rican uh, drill instructor up on the podium, and uh, uh, he had he had a certain cadence that, and I hadn't I hadn't realized what I was going to do yet at all. And uh, he had a certain cadence about what he was doing, and uh, I happened to be the uh, third group that got into these bunkers or foxholes, whatever they call them, and they shoot at these targets. Now this is 1961. And the targets were definitely Asian people. 
Mm. You know, there was no mistake that these targets, so, so you know, and this, this kind of indoctrination goes on continually in, in, in the military. So anyway, he got up there and he said uh, to the first group, he says, ready on the right, ready on the left, lock and load one round of ammunition, open fire, and the troops would open fire on these uh, Asian targets. Wow. And then the second group got in, and uh, I still didn't know what I was going to do, but this seemed like a, a really good opportunity to do something, you know? I was really salivating almost, you know, that this is in, and I kept praying about it, you know, and I said, this has got to be the time. And uh, uh, so here I was, third group, got into the bunkers, and he's up there, the, the drill instructor's up there, and he says, uh, ready on the right. Ready on the left, lock and load one round of ammunition, open fire. And I stood up in the bunker and I grabbed my M16 by the muzzle and I flung it out at the targets with all my might. <laughs> but then, but then I saw it bouncing around. You know, the other soldiers weren't aiming at it, but it got in the way of their targets. So it was bouncing around out there. You know, this was definitely live ammunition. <laughs> And uh, I witnessed the stock and even even the uh, the, the the barrel being damaged, you know. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, I said to myself, "Oh boy, maybe this wasn't the thing to do," you know. And then I felt this weight on my so shoulders, and the drill instructor had jumped down from the podium, got me down on the ground, and started punching and kicking and any and he had he had this look in his eye that he really wanted to kill me unfortunately there were two other drill instructors there that that pulled him off and I, I i was pretty beat up i had a i had a broken rib a broken tooth you know so i went to the infirmary wow. and um uh when i was in the infirmary the uh chaplain came to visit me and he says uh, pr uh private Oh, maybe I wasn't even a private then, uh, uh, but he definitely didn't call me John. You know, it's very formal in the military. They don't uh, use first names no. <laughs> except when they're in the bar, probably. And uh, he said, "Private, did you did you? I I heard about the uh, trouble you had. Uh, did did you ever consider becoming a chaplain's assistant?" Hmm. I said, "Oh, uh, w what's that?" And he told me, and I said, yeah, yeah, I would be interested. That that would be a good way, way. You see, my mission, I could have gotten out of the Army. You know, I'm smart enough to act gay or uh, at that time. I don't know anymore. But, uh, you know, I could have uh, uh, I, I salivated uh, when, when I met the first uh, uh, recruiter or whatever they call him. And uh, so... Um, uh, I became a chaplain's assistant, and um, uh, it 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 was my saving grace because my mission in going into the military was to uh, put an end to war, one soldier at a time. Hmm. So that's all I was doing in the military was proselytizing about the insanity that we were all involved in, you know, and of course, you know, uh, 
but but uh, you know, friends of mine who went to Vietnam said, "Why the hell didn't they throw you out?" I mean, you know, that's a that's a pretty bad thing getting your rifle shut up. And I said, "Well, they had me pay for it. If that's any consolation, it took me four months on a military pay, but uh, uh, I, I wound up paying for it." But uh, and they said, you know, the only thing I could think of is uh, you could could have probably sued them big time for that drill instructor beating you up. Oh, yeah, I would think so. And and uh, they, they, they were just trying to distract you <laughs> by keeping you in. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... Uh, that's, yeah, that, was, I get it. yeah, that's why they didn't get rid of you, because yeah, then you would have thought yeah. about what would happen uh, to you. Uh -huh. you could, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I could have probably bought the military, you know, and that would have ended well our our part in wars anyway. And, and you, you know, know, I would have just fired everybody, you know, <laughs> in the military and uh, started a peace corps. Yeah, that would be uh, that would <laughs> How definitely. Stupid it was Larry. Why didn't I think of this at the time? I mean, <laughs> you were a kid. You were a kid. You know, you're a mixed up yeah, kid. You didn't. You didn't know yet. Uh, what you could have done. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I really wanted to talk about today was uh, Barbara Remington. She okay. just died. I don't know if you knew Barbara Remington, but she was no. a jewel. She, she, she was. Uh, you see, when I was young, I wanted to be a beatnik, uh, but I was a little too too young, you know. And Barbara was a beatnik, you know, because she was what? Uh, let's see. She died at. Uh, she was ninety when she died, so she was ten years older than me, you know. So she had more of an opportunity to be a beatnik, but but she was also so many other things. She she actually illustrated Tolkien's um, uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh wow! I didn't know that. And. Um, uh, she was an incredible illustrator, a boat builder. She, she, she made this, uh, book called boat book and, and it's incredible. And, um, uh, she, she created these maps of middle earth, you know, and she, she after a while she had, she had, uh, si serious arguments with Tolkien you know, because he was, he, <laughs> he knew more what Middle Earth should look like than she did, you know, and of course, you got to admit that, you know, and, and, uh, but anyway, um, uh, so what I am, I am busy at right now is, um, as a tribute to Barbara, see, see, uh, she lived a fascinating life in Thompson, uh, secluded like me. You know, uh, she was a solitary like I am. Thompson? You know, Thompson, Pennsylvania. And you're in Lakewood. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an adjoining uh, town. Oh, so. Yeah. And that's, is that how you met once you were uh, there? Well, you... uh, when she bought the place, uh, she needed a carpenter. And I was um, uh, dating uh, the previous owner. So, of course, the previous owner suggested that I should be the carpenter. So uh, <laughs> that's how we met. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But but Barbara always said, get a load of this. She always said, John, you know the reason we don't get along is that we're so much alike. And, uh, you know, I, I saw it more when she said that. I saw it more in a negative aspect, you know, because Barbara was pretty honorary sometimes. 
she she probably she never threw me out of a place. Uh, she had a place on Seventeenth Street in uh, right right off Union Square, and she never threw me out of there. But once she moved up here, she probably threw me out of her house more times than she was delighted to see me. Uh, it's just that we clashed, and this is her explanation of it. And uh, I'm finding that it was it's really true. <laughs> what, why did you clash? What did you clash over, politics or art or, you know, other issues? Absolutely everything. But Barbara was very touchy, you see. So if you disagreed with her, that was that was uh, uh, you know a major a major scene. It wasn't just a disagreement. It was uh, <laughs> big time. Yeah. So so anyway, um, uh, they call, I'm not I was not an executor of a property. Is that what they're called? When you're in charge of the, you know, the estate or of whatever. the estate, yeah. yeah. No, I was not an executor of the property. She had three executors, and uh, but I was called upon because I went back further with Barbara, and uh, I knew more about Barbara, so they needed to sort things out. So I was there to help sort things out, right? And uh, I noticed some things that were ready to go in the dumpster, and. Uh, I found value in them because I knew, uh, like for instance, right now I I, I, I skipped over the the I'm I'm doing a tribute to her and I'm calling it the Rem Room. The so Rem. So it's a building the that, that that will be uh, de- dedicated to Barbara's castaways. And but and, and, they weren't for Barbara castaways. So what I'm working in right now is ceramics. Barbara saved. Every single dish that she broke in her life. She saved every single dish that she broke. Yes. <laughs> so she had bins. She had these bins of broken dishes. Are any of those dishes were they thrown at you at some point? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Very good, Larry. <laughs> I see it's not too early for you to wake up. <laughs> uh, I had my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I saw these dishes and I knew they were destined for the dumpster. So I asked, you know, I I asked for everything I took, and of course nobody wanted anything because it was a castaway, you know. And and uh, but now I'm working with those broken dishes because I knew Barbara had a dream for these dishes. You see, she she wouldn't be saving these dishes without having some kind of context. So I figured out that she was going to use them in, in, in mosaics. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm using these broken dishes in mosaics to inaugurate the rem room that I'm building for her as a tribute. And um, uh, I'm so excited about it, even though it's taking me away from my other sculpture work. See, I, I thought I was really going really gonna to, since we can't go out and perform, which, which I'm, very, I'm very sad and, and restless about, you know. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and fortunately, fortunately, we, did a web, we were, we were uh, seduced into a webcast last year. And you know I'm a luddite. You know that, Larry, because yes. you can't 
I don't have a computer. I don't have anything. No, I, I have to contact. have an answering machine. I, I borrowed it from a guy who wound up committed, committing suicide. So now I have it to keep, I guess. Because, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think you could be secure that it's yours now. Okay. Yeah, I, so, uh, I, I, yeah, I have to contact you through uh, Trudy. All the yes, time. Yeah. I know. Oh, she, Trudy, oh, what a beautiful woman. She is. We're together now 28 years, she tells me. <laughs> and no, no one no one has lasted that long with me. You know, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, I might get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, turn the, turn, turn, turn the, the stereo up loud and start dancing. You know, for, for a par- uh, no, no reason at all. <laughs> You know, just because, uh, you know, maybe it was part of my dream or something. Yeah. So so anyway, getting back to dreams, you see, this this is a tribute to Barbara's dreams also. So, uh, uh, you know, her name is Barbara Remington. So that's one reason why it's a REM room. But the other reason is that uh, rapid eye movement is part of, uh, um, you know, the dream state. And uh, uh, so it's it's it has a dual purpose. This this rem room that I'm building, and uh, um, I'm not really forlorn that I'm not doing you know what I thought I would be doing uh, as far as my own. Uh, I mean, this is sculpture also. <laughs> There's no denying it. But you know, I was on a trajectory because I know my time is running out. <laughs> You know, I mean, I'm I'm shooting for 120. You know, so it's not he- heading out too. I'm not heading out too soon. No, but at the time, uh, <laughs> please say good. Yeah, I I definitely I want you around as long as humanly or beyond. I want you to break records beyond what we know as humanly possible in a physical sense. Yeah, yeah. So this webcast. Maybe I had a bad, bad webmaster, but we were doing a toy theater show, and I, wa- I, I purposely went there early so that I could connect with the webmaster, you know, and um, uh, so I did, uh, but he, he had no idea what we were about to do. Because, you know, it's a toy theater show. I mean, it's intimate. He never went at a wide angle. I mean, (laughs) you know, I mean, it was good because Trudy was in the picture all the time, you know, so I enjoyed seeing that (laughs) because she she sat next to me as as I performed. And she also performed as part of the, uh, um, yeah, we have three three toy theater shows that we've been traveling with before the pandemic. Well, what, what, what all, is, how does it work? The toy? I mean, this is not the REM uh, room project. This is something separate, right? Yeah. And, and, and yeah. How, you know how I am. I'm a mapper. I don't, I don't, I don't think linearly. I, I jump all over the place. So uh, please yeah. be patient. No, no, that's <laughs> fine. I, it's just, uh, you know, we have a, we have, we have a limited amount of time to talk. I want to make sure we, we, we kind of piece everything together for the listener and I'm curious too, the toy the toy um, uh, show toy, toy theater toy theater was something that was established in Victorian England uh, as a way for wealthy folks to uh, 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 do Hamlet and uh, you know all of 
the Shakespeare repertoire, but in their living rooms because it would be a small stage, small puppet stage, and uh, you know, with very small objects. I mean, we're talking uh, four to six inches. So it has it has made an incredible comeback. Because, uh, you know, uh, creative uh, puppet artists are using it as, as a form now, but they're going way beyond Shakespeare, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, uh, some of your audience might be upset by that statement, but I just, I just read an article <laughs> that the, the question was, was Shakespeare a woman? It's a beautiful article. It was in the Atlantic from a couple of years ago. I, 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 I don't, Trudy gives me all of her magazines, but I don't get to read them <laughs> right away. So, but, but anyway, so, so toy theater is uh, uh, intimate, like I said. Actually, toy, theater, uh, toy theaters that just stage toy theater are at a, um, the, the, the seats are at, at, at a, strong incline so that everybody can see over the head of everybody else because it, you know, everything's so small and, 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 and at times, uh, it's, it's even, uh, projected like this one gal works with ma- matchboxes and, and, uh, you know, it's so small that it has to be uh, on a screen up above her. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, so we had a show called the, the Happy Box, another show called um, A Christmas Miracle, and the third show is Beware of Bunnies. And uh, they all, I, I, I developed them with, with Trudy, of course, and um, uh, it's, it's really a, uh, you couldn't do all three, you couldn't sit through all three of them, you know, they're, they're, they're about... Uh, um, I don't know, 30 minutes each. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't strain anybody's, uh, mental, uh, ability to sit through three of them. How, how would, but, uh, how would someone, I mean, have they been recorded so people can access them or is there, are there some coming up that people could check out and how, like, where would they go? Yeah. Well, now we're not uh, able to do them, you know, because of this webcast, I saw the failure of that webcast in relationship to toy theater, you know, and it was a total disaster. I mean, uh, uh, I saw it was coming because uh, to to introduce the webcast, uh, you know, they asked me to say something, and I explained to, uh, and and here I am in a, in a it's it, it happened in a yurt, so it's in a yurt and there's no audience. It's in a you know? it's in a what? A yurt? I don't know what a yurt is. Excuse my ignorance. Uh, it's something uh, uh, Siberian uh, nomads build to live in. Okay. So it's a... Um, I thought you were a hippie. But crying out loud, you don't know what a yurt is? I, you know, I, I'm not uh, totally uh, aware of everything, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect you to get defensive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to throw a dish at you in a second, I think. (laughs) I understand Barbara now. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Boy, you're really on the ball. If if ever I need something from you important, I know to try and contact you at 10 (laughs) o'clock. 
<laughs> I'm always here for you, John. I'm, it's always an honor and a pleasure to to work with you, to to connect with you. It really is. Um, yeah. Did you know our, fe- our uh, annual Mud Bowl Festival was taken over by the Russians? Yeah. Uh, well, last year you were talking about uh, how it was yeah, going yeah, in that direction. Yeah, we were direction. able to do a water ballet, and it turned out great. It was incredible. We never did a water ballet in in moving body of water. You know, it's always been in still water, so it's filled with surprises. You know. <laughs> was that the Delaware? So on, what? Is it on the Delaware? Is that... Yeah, on the Delaware River. Yeah, yeah. This is Lordville. Yeah, the Russian community over there. Uh, Boris, who who is now the, the the patriarch, died. That was Kosminski, but uh, but uh, his second in command was Boris, and um, uh, he 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 uh, came up to the the last Mudball Festival we had, and he said to me, John, you know, uh, I really think you're getting too old for this. Why don't you turn it over to us? <laughs> Whoa. And I don't know, at the time it seemed great. And and after the water ballet, it seemed great. But being here all summer and um, uh, seeing the possibilities that are here for the festival and the possibilities that are there, you know, it's totally, totally different. And uh, so is the music. You know, <laughs> Russian music is a lot different than Doug Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, both great, both great. <laughs> yeah, I hope he's listening. Yeah, I, he'll, once he sees that we're talking, he'll he'll listen for sure. So we 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 only have a, a couple of minutes left. I I I wanna I wanna ask you: Is there gonna be a Mudball Festival here in 2020? Are you going? Uh, and you know, uh, I haven't heard from Boris. Okay. See, he's in charge now. I'm definitely not having one here. Uh, I do have guests, uh, remarkable guests, actually, uh, who who just stopped by uh, because of the architecture. You know, I don't think the architecture that that I built is is so extraordinary. I mean, it's clear story buildings. I mean, it's uh, totally logical for me, and they they can't even see the uh, puppet chapel from the road. And the puppet chapel is really my masterpiece. That I built alone. The other, the other buildings, the clear stories I built with uh, Trudy, but the puppet chapel uh, I built myself. And it took me three years, but uh, and it's still not finished. It's a life work. So every year I, I do a little more on it. But um, uh, yeah. So so uh, I, before I, I, I heard you say we might get off. So before I uh, we get off, I just want to revert back to Hiroshima for a minute. Yeah, let's close and, there. Good. Yeah, and, 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 and Peter Schumann, you know, who, oh, who yeah. you know now, yeah. you know, Bread I hope puppet. it was me, was it through me or yes, it was, that, you, that you met Peter? Yes, yes, it was through you. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, he's got the Bren Puppet Theater up in Vermont and they travel and they're, he's, he's absolutely brilliant. He's the most brilliant uh, puppet artist I, I, I know of. And uh, so anyway, he did he did a show about Hiroshima. Um, he usually uh, in December they usually come down and they uh, perform in uh, theater for a new city, TNT, the uh, TNC. And uh, but this year he wanted to do something about Hiroshima, and uh, he uh, he found this church uptown, 
that you know was uh, it, it was a fancy uh, you know uh, 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 extraordinary church, but uh, it was used as a multi-purpose uh, church now. So he 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 uh, found a way of uh, of doing the show there, and. Um, uh, he he worked with all his old timers like uh, like Pete, Peter Hamburger who builds things you know who, who has an extraordinary mechanical mind for building things and and so he had all of his old timers there uh, but he also always pulls in volunteers but the premise of this show get a load of this Larry the premise of this show was. Um, uh, uh, was this quote from the Bhagavad Gita. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what... Uh, who, who, who was it that... Uh, um, uh, out, out in Los Alamos there, he, he, he was the main guy behind the uh, uh, bomb, atom bomb. What's, what's his name? I don't remember. I try to block that <laughs> stuff out sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well... The, 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 after he saw, you know, he did this, you know, he was part of the military complex, so he was just moving along, you know, that's how they, that's how they work it. They move you along, move you along. No time, no, no time to think about other things. You got, you just got to think about war and, and, uh, uh, you know, and winning and, and, uh, uh, ravaging. And so he, um, he, uh, they, after the, uh, bomb, they did some aerial footage. And um, he saw the aerial footage, and he was devastated. And uh, what he said is what Peter used as the premise of his show. And it was from the Bhagavad Gita. And it stated, Now I am becometh death, the destroyer, of worlds. That's what uh, this guy said after developing the uh, um, atom bomb and seeing what it actually did. I guess we're talking. We're probably talking about uh, Oppenheimer, right? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Larry. No it problem. Would've, it would have troubled me all day, and I, and I, I don't know. Maybe I would have rebroken some of Barbara's dishes, <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> well, it would fit. It would just work better in the uh, in the mosaic, right? Yeah, it would. No, I am breaking. I am re-breaking them. No, she just uh, sometimes she dropped it and it just broke in half. You know, so I'm not using big pieces like that. I mean. Uh, and just as a yeah. visual, I want to understand: Are you are you uh, affixing these to the walls and the ceiling and the floor, or on, on camp? Yeah, I'm working on the outside now. Truly, will send you a picture. Uh, she she's been uh, documenting it. If yeah, if she could send uh, she, one, if she, she could send documents one. everything I do, <laughs> it's crazy. You know, it's uh, uh, you know I forget about things as soon as I do them. But then Trudy shows me something and. Uh, you know, I want to go back and develop that a little further. So I'm stuck in this rut, you know, of going back and forth. <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you know how it is, 
right, Larry? Yeah, I do. That sounds very familiar. And you know, <laughs> you you document everything. I document a lot of things, and I have a great yeah. woman in my life too, who for some yeah, un, un, yeah. unknown reason cool. loves me and, and you know respects <laughs> and appreciates me, even though I'm a a selfish loon. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> But uh, wow, wow! It's amazing for you to admit all of this. I love you, man. I do. <laughs> all right, boy, Larry. This has been this has been so. So this pandemic hasn't affected me personally at all because I'm I'm by nature a solitary. Yeah. You see, so. Uh, uh, I only go out to perform, and that's the only thing that's actually taken away from me. And uh, actually, you, you know, I hole up in the winter. I, I, I actually uh, go to sleep um, during the day in the winter so that I'm not distracted by anything. That's, that's when I concentrate on paintings. I'm uh, I'm going to ask you uh, if you want to to share a thought just to close out our conversation with the listeners, and then we'll say until next time, John Bromberg. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, because of the day, and because of every day, uh, I hope you out there realize that uh, war is completely absurd, and that you we should quit doing it. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Hopefully we cross okay. paths again soon. Take care of yourself. Okay. Bye now, Larry. Bye. Two, one, two, three, four.
I'm going to begin with a poem that's called Everyone Gets Lighter. Life is lots of presents, and every single day you get a big bunch of gifts under a sparkling pine tree hung with countless balls of colored lights, piles of presents wrapped in fancy paper, the red one with the green ribbon and the green one with the red ribbon and the blue one with silver and the white one with gold. It's not what happens, it's how you handle it. You are in a water bubble human body on a private jet in seemingly a god world, a glass of champagne, a certain luminosity and clarity, skin of air, a flat sea of white clouds below, a vast dome of blue sky above, and your mind is an iron nail in between. It's not what happens, it's how you handle it. Dead cat bounce, catch a falling knife. After endless shadow boxing in your sleep, fighting in your dreams and knocking yourself out, you realize everything is empty and appears as miraculous display. All are in nature, the play of emptiness and clarity. Everyone gets lighter, everyone gets lighter, everyone gets lighter. Everyone is light.
Existence. The wind chimes, colored garden mulch, my purple and yellow hanging plants, my privilege, are not offsetting the malaise brought on by this world's mass of syncophants as they allow for the sociopaths to control and deface our existence. What shall I do?
And there you have it, episode 382 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, John Bromberg, our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, Trudy, John Giorno, poet and author, and these musical artists, Jean-Jacques Perry, Cat Power, The Plastic Ono Band, Gillian Welch, Billie Holiday, and of course, Terrence Blanchard and Branford Marsalis, too. And I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and try to enjoy and do our best with this time. Take care.